Welcome to another episode of Creating Magic. I'm Danny, And I'm Paula. And today we are talking all about Ahsoka. So we have our lovely friend East Coast Russell with us. Hello. And creator of our intro music, Jordan. Hey, what's up, everyone? So Jordan is back after the last episode he was on was with uh, the Mandalorian. So it's only appropriate. Actually, Jordan requested to be on for this one. Yeah, I am always down to talk Star Wars anytime, anywhere, anyplace. So before we dive in, because you're 45 minutes off of watching the finale. Yeah. Paula binged the whole series yesterday. Yeah. Wow. What a what a commitment. (laughs) Six hours or something like that. And I was so lost. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's start a little with each person's like background going into this. Because for me, I had watched some of the cartoons and I watched season four of Rebels because that's what I was told I was needed because I didn't have time to. The cartoons are a little hard for me sometimes because you, you I didn't you didn't have an entire lifetime of of it being inundated with Star Wars to to under to get into this show. I mean, I have a lot. My issue is, is like there's certain types of animation styles that I just can't get behind sometimes. And like clone, the Clone Wars ones is a struggle for me because I just don't enjoy the artwork as much. So it's a little more of a slog for me to get them through because I don't enjoy it as much as some other styles of animation. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, And then, yeah, I guess. So for me, so. uh, you said, um, Paula, you said you binged the whole entire season. Yes, I did. Um, Danny, you and said... And I have no cartoon background at all. Like, Okay, so you haven't have watched Clone Wars Rebels? Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Um, Danny, I know you know the original trilogy and the prequels and just kind of the main and the sequel trilogy, right? Like the main... I, I know all the movies. Yeah. I know all the live action TV shows. I have watched Bad Batch. Okay. I'm still going through Clone Wars, and I've done season four of Rebels. I haven't watched the rest of season, all the okay. seasons of Rebels yet. So, fair, so, yeah, fairly, so many of the characters going in. Okay. I at least had that. Okay. For me, I'm only original trilogy, Mandalorian, and this. That's it. Yo, not even the prequels? Not even the prequels, no. That's wild. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm so, like... So some of the Star Wars fan community and and maybe Russell can back me up on this. Some of the Star Wars fan community can be very gatekeepy. Yeah, and, it's very true. And uh and so I think the my favorite my favorite Star Wars discussions I've ever had and my favorite type of Star Wars um fan or whatever you want person to person Star Wars is the one that's like Star Wars is this magical like world that that was created by this one man that I think the best type of Star Wars is one that inspires somebody regardless of where you're entering the story at. at. And I just literally am coming off of this discussion with, with my friends of Star Wars is all is as traditionally from the start, Star Wars has started with George Lucas dropped you in the middle of the story without explaining anything. And so Paula, you not knowing a whole lot and then dropping into this show is almost very, it's very Star Wars. It's, it's how most of us, got introduced into it is dropping us in the middle of some part of this huge saga and not explaining anything. And then you having to catch up and get like context. So, yeah, I mean, I was texting Danny. I was like, what is hap- What is this? <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> okay, my favorite cool. text that has like no consequence to the show at all. The first yeah. message I received in all caps. I also need to know what these chicken cat things are called. Loath cats. Oh right, <laughs> right, yeah. Because there's all the creatures and aliens and stuff. Yeah, Russell's like he's like he's like rubbing his eyes. Like, okay, how are we gonna? How are we gonna I just, dive? I can't get past chicken cats now. Like, okay, okay. It looked like a cat. Really... It had like chicken feet. It does. Right. That does. is a perfect way of describing them. So so okay. So Danny, you are fairly informed. Paula, you are doing the Star Wars traditional way and just dropping in no you know no no information and then russell where where are you coming from because i know you've been on a star wars episode before i was i listened to a part of it but i need to know like like how does star wars go for you it's all of the above um i've seen all of the shows watched all of the movies 
Uh, I have read um, all of the Timothy Zahn Star Wars books around Thrawn. Okay, uh, wow. Yeah, I just got into the first one, but I have not finished it. Yeah. So there's a there's a ton of stuff just about Thrawn, like before he joins the Empire. There's like a whole bunch of books that that go into his backstory and stuff that, uh, that is, is kind of entertaining. Um, and then, uh, yeah, a, a bunch of the other books that, you know, dive into all of these other characters and the stuff that happens, you know, in between all of these stories. Got it. OK, so between Russell and I, because for me, I. Uh, uh, I, I my 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 cousin introduced me to Star Wars when I was five years old. And so I and I and and it's the rest is history. Like I just couldn't get enough. I was in my butt was in the seat in for all the prequels uh, in the early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands. I read the Timothy Zahn Heir to the Empire trilogy, um, the Darth Bane novel. Like I've read the novels. I've played Knights of the Old Republic. Like I've 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 done most of it. There's so much that there's just really no way that you can get to all of it. Unless you just devote your life to it, which, again, <laughs> it happens. I have lightsabers now. Yeah, right. So there's different levels. I think it's like Harry. I, I imagine Danny. It's like Harry yeah. Potter that way. There's like different levels because people sometimes say, oh, I've only seen the movies and I haven't read the books, or oh, I've only like read the books and maybe seen a couple movies and played Hogwarts Legacy or whatever. You know, yeah. like different levels you can enter it. And and so between Russell and I, we can handle questions, but like. You guys are like the deep end and Paula and I are for the beginners. I love that. Well, I love the balance. Like super beginner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that's super important. Like, honestly, my first question, knowing exactly where everyone is, is for Paula. Did you have fun? Yeah. Did oh, I enjoyed fun? it because if not, I, I, first of all, I would have fallen asleep if I hated it. Um, <laughs> and I didn't. So sure. um, I enjoyed it. I was just confused about like who everybody was. Yeah. Um, I knew Ahsoka because I saw her in Mandalorian, but I didn't really have like anything else. Like one of the questions I asked Danny, I was like, uh, like Ezra was giving me, he's everybody's boo thing. Like, I was like, he's giving me these vibes. Like everybody's in love with this guy. Like, like who, who does he belong to? I was like, who does he belong to? Like, is, and then <laughs> Danny was like, oh no, like um that she mentioned jason uh hera's dad uh son mm-hmm. and i was at first i was like is this like his dad but then i was like no because they said that the name was quran and i was like okay i i can't i needed like i need a family tree like <laughs> yeah no I, that that's that's true yeah that was i think but i, I okay. sorry i did enjoy it i i, I liked it I feel yeah. like Rebels would be a good you and Lennon show and maybe even Jude. Okay. So. Yeah. I watched really... Mandalorian with Jude. Um now Lennon's watching it. So Yeah. Rebels is very much geared for kids. Um, but Russell, you let me know if this resonates with you. Star Wars is made for the uh, children and also the child in all of us. For sure. Yeah. And I think it also uh, especially within the last, I'm going to say, 10 years, has gotten much better at uh, being for kids, but still able to deliver uh, some more deeply emotional messaging. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, I, when I think about the Star Wars that that we grew up with, you know, it's it's a lot of action with, you know, some some very kind of simple messaging that goes along with it, which which, you know, was very common at the time. Um, but the the way that these shows have been written, especially in the last decade, have have really grown with the way that audiences have grown to to just be a lot more emotionally impactful. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I feel like some of it. I feel like kids will get bored with some things like no kid really wants to watch Boba Fett. It's just. Sure. The pacing is not kid friendly. That 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 series was made specifically for forty. It was not Paula friendly either. I tried. You only I watched the episode it. with Pedro, didn't you? I didn't even get to that episode. <laughs> oh, those are good episodes. Those are good yeah, man. Very entertaining episode. I, I was like, especially this is... as someone who, uh, at least occasionally, goes to Disney. 
the Pedro Pascal, like you don't even have to watch the episodes around it. The Pedro Pascal episode as the Mandalorian in the book of Boba Fett will make you smile the whole time. Yeah, it, it, is, can, okay. it can work as a standalone. You won't be super confused. Yeah. Okay. It's not connected to the sh- Frustratingly, it's not connected to the show. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Just dropped in. Yeah. It's like they needed an extra episode and Dave was like, all right. I need to get Grogu back. So yeah, yeah. For right. man, it, He's like, in the, I don't want to waste the time in the Mandalorian to do it, so I could just yeah. drop it in here. It's very much deemed by the fandom as man, the two, those two episodes are like Mando season two point five. Yeah. Right. Um, but in the context of this show, Ahsoka, um, it's fascinating, Paula, as it's serving as a like the the Ahsoka. Okay, so 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 off the bat, the Ahsoka episode in in the man in season two of the Mandalorian, uh, the Jedi, where she's mm-hmm. in that like burned out forest planet, and she's fighting Morgan Elsbeth, the the, and she has like the uh, uh, Beskar spear and all that stuff. It's very samurai. It's very Akira Kurosawa, and it's maybe my favorite episode of any Mandalorian season. Um, because it is Dave go Dave Filoni, who, for those who don't know, listening, Dave Filoni is largely considered by the Star Wars fandom to be the heir apparent to to Lucasfilm, uh, who should who should be making anything creative decisions in Lucasfilm, um, especially for in my opinion after this season. Um, but he he studied under George Lucas making the Clone Wars animated series, so all the Clone Wars stuff and all the Rebel stuff that's him that's Dave Filoni. So for 10 years plus, he he worked with George Lucas to develop the Clone Wars and kind of bridge the gap between um, Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, and Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Um, so the Clone Wars, the three-year conflict of the Clone Wars. In that, he created the character of Ahsoka as an animated uh, character, as the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker that all that happened off screen. She's not even mentioned in Revenge of the Sith, but he created this character with George Lucas. So it's got sort of the maker George Lucas capital M the maker's blessing of this character that Dave created. He's gone. He's gone on to take that character into post return of the Jedi post original trilogy timeline stuff. And so she shows up in the Mandalorian. And I remember watching that episode a couple of years ago and just losing my mind because it's, I wasn't even the biggest fan of Ahsoka as a character in the clone wars or rebels to be quite honest, but seeing her in live action and seeing what she represented as Dave's understanding that Jedi are merely just space samurai with magic powers. And that is important because George Lucas was partially inspired by Akira Kurosawa's hidden fortress and, and um, uh, yeah, Akira Kurosawa old samurai films. He patterned the Jedi, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi originally in the original star Wars to be this wandering Ronin samurai sort of swordsman space swordsman with a laser sword and that's essentially ahsoka is continuing that tradition um and that's my favorite part of star wars is this mystical sort of weird force stuff there's like you know sort of quasi buddhism um philosophy of devoting yourself of attachment i loved all of it and and that's why i really really enjoyed this series russell as the other major Star Wars fan, how did you feel about the season as a whole? The season as a whole, uh, to be honest, uh, kind of bothered me. Um, to be super clear, uh, the work that was done bringing these animated characters, the, the the lot of them, into live action, the way that was accomplished, was genuinely a triumph. Like, visually, just incredible um, and I'm not just talking about Ahsoka, but uh, Hera, Jason, you know, like the the Thrawn, you know, all of these characters, um, you know, coming to live action, they all looked incredible. The the you know the the presence from each one of the characters on screen was super great. Um, the structure of the show itself, um, having had time to reflect on it, um, just really wasn't great in my opinion. I think if you look at like the first half of the season, uh, it's a little on the slower side. Um, there are a ton of points where uh, multiple characters are just sort of sitting with their arms crossed or staring into middle distance or just kind of like existing on screen um, when other stuff could have been happening. 
And then we get the last two episodes where so much information was just thrown at us in like really, really casual ways. Um, there is there is a single line uh, that completely alters the the way that the construction of this planet Peridia um, as as like we come to understand it. Um, and it comes it's like an offhanded thing from Ezra uh, where he says Thrawn woke up the Night Sisters. Like that should have been its own scene. And honestly, that probably should have been its own scene in the very first episode um, for for like how that kind of thing came to be, because it's like this really kind of casual tossed aside thing um, that that is very clearly going to mean something later on uh, as we see the the show ending with, uh, you know, the, they are at Dathomir with what I'm pretty sure is a cargo hold. Full sister homeworld. Yeah. So, you know, there's there there is a lot like we are definitely not done seeing Night Sisters doing weird stuff with green fire. That's that's totally going to be a thing that we see more of in the not too distant future. And and for me, bring it on. I love that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, in in a way that ties to even more kind of uh, tangentially related Star Wars stuff, because up until this point in the story, um, as far as anyone is aware, there is a single night sister still alive, uh, and her name is Marin, and she is part of the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and Star Wars Jedi Survivor video games. Uh, and she is like she's a major character in Jedi Survivor and kind of a, a minor character in Fallen Order, but like a big part of her character is I am I think I'm the last of my kind. And she makes a lot of decisions that she otherwise would not make because she thinks she's the last of her kind. And I'm like, it, it has pretty significant consequences for that character, for that to not be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will agree with Russell on this, that star Wars tr- very much traditionally is, is uh, at the same time, incredible as far as like the imaginative mythology that is injected into it and also it's got pacing problems it always has all of these shows they're they're front loaded with a lot of information and a lot of character development in the front end and then the back end they don't have a lot of like the plot like they don't move the plot along as much and then the last two episodes like have to catch up yeah i feel like this show could have gone either direction, either of these two directions, and I would have been really happy. It either could have been a two-plus-hour movie that they just released all at once, where they they cut out some of the stuff where people are just sort of having conversations that don't really matter, or it could have been ten episodes where they, you know, they they kind of filled out some of this stuff a little more, mm-hmm. um, it, including like the the very small conversation that Hu Yang and uh, Ezra have. Um, about why Sabine and Ahsoka uh, were having so many problems. That was like three whole episodes of the show where these two very clearly have some issue to, to work out and it just doesn't get discussed until Hu Yang says one sentence about it in the last episode. And that's kind of a bummer. I feel like that, like either with more time or less time, that could have been a more impactful thing. And it's yeah. just like they like try to at times it feels like sometimes like what you were saying is like plot holes were trying to be filled and they're filled by one sentence that's thrown in. Right. Versus actually yeah. like like I would have loved to actually like known about why Ahsoka and Sabine have so many issues from Ahsoka and Sabine. Not right. not, not my David Tennant droid. Mm-hmm. So so let me make a comment on that, because I think, Russell, what we're seeing is Filoni wrote all of these episodes, to my understanding, right, and, and directed two of them. Um, Filoni is dyed in the wool as an animation director that usually has at least 12 episodes a season. Yep. Half an hour episodes, but 12 episodes a season t- to flesh out characters and make a, an arc for the season um for the most part for like bad batch and clone wars and stuff we're talking about 16 20 episodes a season right yep. like lots of episodes i think what we're seeing is his um limitations of trying to make big 
big budget Star Wars television and also tell a story in the a constrained eight episodes. I I think that's right. Um, and I, you know, the that line, you know, short though it was, um, really causes you to look at Sabine's arc in this season very, very differently all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, initially it's like, man, she just cannot get out of her own way and keeps causing these problems. And like, what is going on with this character that we all love so much? And then you get that one line and you're like, cool. Sabine's entire arc in this in this show is Mandalore. She talks it, about the, the the purge, right? The night of a thousand the, the purge of Mandalore. But it's also uh, it's trust. Yeah, it, her and her entire art can be summed up in in that single word. She has no she she does not trust herself. She does not trust uh, other people around her. She cannot stand in that first episode that she is treated like some kind of hero because she feels like a persistent failure. You know, you, she she has to trust in the force. She has to to you know trust her master. She has to trust that you know somebody else is going to be in control every once in a while and it's going to work out. And. You know, when you get that line, it's it's you know it's helpful for all of that stuff to kind of fall into place, and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, but I feel like you lose some of that watching it from week to week versus kind of binging it all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't have that context, you know, even somewhere in the middle, I feel like would have helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you go back and watch it with that line in mind, what a cool arc! Like the the way that that was written, once you have that information, is great because yeah. very clearly her, you know, really struggling to trust anything uh, other than you know like whatever instinct is going through her head at the time, mm-hmm. until she finally like has that that breaking moment. And um, I guess really more for for Paula's edification um, than than anyone else's here. There is a scene in Star Wars Rebels where she has a lightsaber and Kanan Jarrus, uh, Ezra's master, is is trying to figure out how to teach her to be a Jedi. And one of the things that he says is that she she's never going to use get, figure out how to use the force until she can figure out how to get past this this block that she has in her own mind. There is something stopping her from doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And so it was cool to see like that's what that was in that moment was was her figuring out how to trust something other than herself and that that you know kind of released that block so for for fans of rebels that was like that was like a six or seven year long like thing that came to fruition in in that scene um which which was incredibly cool to see but it you know without that little tiny bit of extra explanation um it's not it's not quite as impactful for folks who didn't, you know, who who haven't seen other stuff. And that that's she was just like angsty, like right, yeah, like yeah. because I don't know anything. So right. yeah, and and Paula, that's I think, I think that's been the main question for this show for me is I know I'm going to have a fun time, I know I'm going to love it, and also. Part of me wants them to go harder into the lore because of because part of me is like they won't they won't do it they won't like they won't go they won't go super sweaty you know they won't go super sweaty Star Wars nerd and Filoni's kind of kind of going sweaty he's kind of going in he's going in but my the other on the other side of that is this part of my brain that is not a Star Wars fan and is just like a, a or it's not a died in the wool Star Wars fan it's a casual Star Wars fan and it's going. I wonder how this plays to people like Paula, the general audience. So again, fascinating to to yeah. So so angsty. So she's angsty. Yeah, I was okay. like, what's what's her deal? It was like kind of like almost like a moody teenager. Yeah. That you're like, what what's your problem? <laughs> no, I mean, you want to you know, talk? If you've you know, if you go to watch uh, Rebels in particular, she's been through so much. Um, she was, she was forced into, uh, an Imperial education system where she basically designed a super weapon that was specifically built to, to kill Mandalorians, like kill her own people. And she didn't really understand what it was until it happened. And then she sabotaged it and got away, but like parts of it still worked. So like she had this tremendous amount of guilt and then the, what is, what is called the, the night of a thousand tears 
where all of Mandalore just gets completely wiped out. Um, when when the Empire falls, like she's got all of this emotional weight on her. And and yeah, if you've if you haven't watched that stuff, like all of that is lost on on the first couple of episodes where she just kind of can't get out of her own way. At the same time, uh, Ezra Bridger in uh, Rebels is just this really silly kid. Uh, and and they did such a good job bringing parts of that comedy forward. I mean, Iman Espandi did such an incredible job being like a goofball, but at the same time, like kind of centered and grown up. And uh, yeah. and a lot of that stuff, the the like, you know, or we could talk or like, you know, what if you arrested us instead? Like that is straight out of the the goofy kid from from Rebels who who kind of grew up in a war zone and you know laughing through stuff like that was how he dealt with things Mm -hmm. yeah it's very true to the character he did great i mean two seconds on screen and i'm like that's that's ezra that's crazy he was such a perfect choice for that like how did you feel about like the casting over across the board not just him there there is not a character that i saw that i was unhappy with me neither and i know that there are like for for Thrawn, there may have been other characters who were more physically similar to the the like stuff that has been seen on screen. Um, but but he has been the voice of Thrawn for a very long time, not just in uh, Rebels, but also in almost all of the audiobooks. Yeah, um, where where it's been his. So like in my head, he has always been Thrawn, and the moment he started speaking, I was like, "Yep, I'm I'm in." Like. But but you know outside of that like the the makeup was great the the stuff they did with the eyes was like spot on because in the books in particular his race the chiss are always described their their eyes as being almost glowing and like they they captured that really really well in in this live action adaptation um I yeah I can't think of anyone on screen that we saw that I don't think was a great pick for that role in in one way or another yeah, I, I I agree wholeheartedly. Um, from the jump in that Mandalorian season two episode, Ahsoka Rosaria Dawson as Ahsoka felt somehow like a grown up Ahsoka, and then, um, yeah, Ezra. I think Ezra's maybe the strongest casting, wildly, because he has the least amount of screen time out of all the characters. But like, and maybe that's because we haven't spent a whole lot, a lot of time with him. But he's great. Thrawn's great. Um, Sabine's great. Um, Hera's great. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is Hera. Um, what a cool thing for Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is married to Ewan McGregor. Yeah, she's married to Obi-Wan Kenobi. To, to have this, like, in real life, the two of them are married, and now the two of them will forever be Star Wars royalty, because uh, a funny thing, and I'm, I'm again, saying this mostly uh, for, for Paula, um, Hera is one of the most badass pilots in all of like star wars lore and as a general for um the rebellion once rebels is over and she she becomes like a full-on general is really like from the books like one of the big reasons that the rebellion makes it like her tactical planning and and stuff like that like she is she is like fully on point she's been in a ton of the games as like the the tip of the spear um, so, you know, like bringing I very her- much, I very much see them bringing her in to whatever we go forward in with Ahsoka or the other Filoni stuff yeah. as the anti-Thrawn. Like she's yeah. going to be, have to match Thrawn's wit, uh, in a mil in militarily. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's definitely going to continue to play a part and, and I'm like, she's done such a great job and I'm sure that her husband really enjoys watching her in those pants. Let's talk about another uh, family connection. Uh, Lars Mikkelsen as Thrawn, his brother Mads Mikkelsen as the man who invented the right. Death Star laser uh, in Rogue One. Uh, yep. Mads Mikkelsen, yeah. Um, also Galen Grindelwald in the, in the Fantastic I know who that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's like Potter, got it. Yeah, he's there's a Potter connection and his brother is Thrawn. So there, there's another, just, you know, keeping it in the family. You know, but what is nepotism, honestly? Uh, in Hollywood, <laughs> in Hollywood, <laughs> uh, no, but anyway, uh, very cool. 
very did... expertly cast. I agree with Russell. Ashley Eckstein didn't get a cameo or anything in this, did she? No, nah, she didn't, but she's she been... did not get a cameo in this. We also didn't see uh Zeb. Um didn't see Zeb. He was at the very end of uh the Mandalorian, uh most recent Mandalorian season in the bar. Um Paula, he's the the like big like cat looking thing in the background in uh in at the end of Mandalorian. He was a big part of Star Wars Rebels. And I just can't I can't escape the the notion that like somebody at some point is gonna like fill him in on all of the stuff that has just happened. And he was part of the Rebels crew. Yeah, he's he's like he is very much like Ezra's family, just like the rest of these characters that we have seen so far. Um, and I was genuinely surprised that he was not on that ship at the very end, um, you know, waiting, waiting for uh, for Ezra to to come off of that uh, that shuttle. Yeah, me too. And then we have, if anyone knows me and my love of Star Wars, there's one thing I love about Star Wars, and Chopper belongs oh, in that yeah. category. Chopper, the war criminal. I love all droids. <laughs> I don't have the highest death count of any droid on screen. Uh, and I mean, genuinely death count. Uh, yeah. Paula, have you heard about this about Chopper? Have you seen Stina's pin? That's like, it's like Chopper, I kill things. Yes. Uh, he has uh, he has destroyed entire ships full of stormtroopers. He has pushed people off of ledges. Uh, yeah. Like Chopper is legit a war criminal and it's hilarious because everyone absolutely adores him for it. Yeah. He's like he's like if R2D2 was was just a a, a grizzled war criminal. Just extremely violent yeah. because he had to be. He's on my cosplay list. I yeah. mean, yeah. Get some get some cardboard cylinders and I, I have plans. I, I, my Ahsoka's almost done, but now I'm like, oh. now I want the Gandalf Ahsoka as Russell and Katie White, called it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, so I have some it's the friends that watched uh, Rebels with me or that watched Ahsoka with me tonight. I one of the friends didn't realize the Ahsoka Gandalf connection, so <laughs> so they they had again been into Star Wars for a long time. Paula hasn't watched Lord of the Rings yet either, so she doesn't know this. Okay, well, so Gandalf <laughs> is a wizard in Lord of the Rings. I know who Gandalf is. I do know that. We're working on it. Hey, Gandalf is a wizard in Lord of the Rings, and the big... Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. Never mind that you told me that information. But there's a lot of parallels for, to, from Ahsoka to Gandalf, and that goes back way before this series because uh, Dave Filoni on Instagram, if you follow him, has has always posted little drawings of like Gandalf and Ahsoka and the parallels there. Um, and so very clearly a man who does not pay attention during meetings. (laughs) Yeah. He's always doodling. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but, but that connection has, has proven very, uh, uh, poignant in this series, uh, because, uh, Ahsoka very much had a similar trajectory and arc as Gandalf did in the Lord of the Rings films and books. Um, and, when I pointed that out to my friend, it kind of blew his mind. He like, he kind of like, it kind of also spoiled what was going to happen with her arc, but like in the best way, he was like, Oh, yep. Hey, it's very, very good. Uh, yeah. We got two not Jedi um, whose status for the moment is to be determined one for incredibly sad reasons and the other for just because we have no idea what's going to happen um, with uh, Balin Skull and, and Shin Hadi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I agreed. Russell, um, if there's anything I can count on for Star Wars is if there's a morally ambiguous, interesting character in Star Wars, they, they're they not going to last long um, in the story. And then also in real world life, uh, uh, Ray Stevenson, the actor that plays uh, Balin Skull, the, the white white bearded guy um passed away sadly uh, earlier this year so like weeks before the show started airing yeah like, very recently heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah um but yeah and it turned out he was i mean, genuinely one of the best actors on screen just he had yeah. very few lines and every time he spoke he just crushed the scenes that he was in um and, it, and not only crushed the scenes that he was in russell but like was 
espousing philosophy that again like i said at the beginning of this of of this recording is stuff that my philosophy uh professor friend and i talk about and that's the and and um, all my friends my star wars friends talk about when we get into these deep philosophical discussions about how the jedi of the prequel era were flawed and And Balin's character very much points out he likes the idea of the Jedi Order, but he doesn't actually like what it became, especially in the context of the Clone Wars and the prequels. Yeah. Paul, do you want to share what your opinions of Lord Balin were? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I did look it up last because I was like, oh, who is this guy? Like, I I was like, this guy's hot. Like, (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Wow. Yeah, Daddy Balin. Yeah, Yeah, I was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw yeah. some th- I saw some thirst on the internet for for Balin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was me last night. I was like, holy hell. He's a handsome guy. He's a handsome guy. Yeah. Absolutely incredible job acting. And I mean, I could probably spend an entire other podcast episode talking about that last scene and have it mean very little to most people. Yeah. So this was the other thing. I agree, Russell. The the last like three minutes of the episode of the finale with him on the ridge. And there's like kind of Argonoth again, Lord of the Rings reference, but like big, like stone statues of things that he's perched on. And he's looking in the distance at some temple type thing. That's, that's what I, that's what I mean when I talked earlier about like Filoni going sweaty, going into the sweaty, like nerd stuff into the deep lore. Cause like I lost my mind. Yeah, all, all of that meant a lot to like 150 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that 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 gives me pause. Uh it makes me simultaneously really excited for season 2 or like the a movie or what whatever we're going to get next, yeah. Yeah. And then also like all right, well but I wonder what the reaction to this season of television is going to be cuz it it might have Disney rein in Filoni and be like, all right, too too far, too far into the into the lore. I don't know. It's a de- I would assume it's a delicate balance, and I'm glad that I don't have to make those decisions in a boardroom. You know, since we've gotten here, um, I don't want to because I know we could go forever on this subject. What do you want to see come next out of the series, or are there characters you want to see more of, or that we haven't met yet, or met? in the live action yet. I definitely want to see Zeb involved in some way, just because we've already seen him on screen. And now that Ezra is back in the correct galaxy, the the two of them need to interact with one another as adults, because that's going to be deeply entertaining for me. Um, I, I really want some kind of connection between uh, Marin and these new night sisters. Um, and uh, they've got to do something with Thrawn before the 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 new the before the sequel series starts. So like, there's there's actually not a ton of time between like in this universe between where they are now and where uh, Ray pops up in the first of the the sequel movies. Like they've they've got a little bit of time to play around here, but not like a ton. And they've also got a lot of characters that they have to explain. They don't have to, but they should explain where they were during these events. Yeah. Mainly very big characters that would have to be de-aged and CGI'd. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, it's great that Sabine and uh, Ahsoka are in an entire other galaxy, because if they stay over there for a while, then they can come back when the new Jedi Order is formed, which is the thing that we know happens when Rey's arc is finished. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I suspect that that's not what's going to happen. So uh, it, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. And we, what we know so far uh, is that a lot of the stuff that is going to happen in these TV shows for The Mandalorian and for Ahsoka and for um, at least one other show that has not started yet are building towards 
a movie that Dave Filoni is hoping will act as like an Avengers style, pull all of these stories together into this like really epic thing. Um, and it's very specifically Avenger style because uh, Dave Filoni is working very, very closely with his longtime friend who built the Avengers series. Uh, okay. So he has an enormous amount of experience uh, in doing exactly this kind of, you know, like world building, stitching everything together into this, into this, you know, kind of larger narrative. Um, so that, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot happening, you know, likely over the next like five years, um, you know, building towards that. Oh, it's interesting to me that people like know, like all this. (laughs) Yeah, it's a problem. I have a problem. The first step is admitting that you have a problem. So it's this was actually spelled out uh, at the last D23 um, where they they came out on stage and they showed us Chopper and they were like, this is the thing that we're doing. And then this huge timeline showed up on the screen behind them. And they were like, this is the world that we're trying to build right now. And they 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 went way back. Timeline. Yeah, they they went way back into the timeline to show uh, the the High Republic books. Um, which go like way, way back in time. And if you are a fan of reading Star Wars books, they are they are very well done. Um, and then, you know, the other end of the timeline where they were like, like we're we're doing this stuff too, and they're they're building towards all of this new stuff. Um, so that's that's where they kind of broke down a lot of that information. But yeah, they 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 took over like 25 minutes of D23 earlier, uh, or it was either late last year or early this year. Well, it was uh, last kind of- March was D23. Yeah, where they they just broke down like how all of this was gonna go. Yeah, I just I think it's impressive that you can like, oh, this is from this, and because uh, like I went into Mandalorian blindly, uh, not knowing anything. I went, I went, and I tell everybody for the wrong reasons. Um, I was like, well, I'm gonna watch this. Uh, so I watched it. And then when I saw Luke Skywalker, I was so confused because I was like, wait a second. I know who this guy is. <laughs> so I was like, but what? And then I, I think I had asked Danny, I was like, when did this happen? Because like he was young. Right. So like at first I was like, oh, I didn't even think that it was like around the same like time. So I was like, I need I need like a timeline because I don't know. <laughs> This is a very so confused. This is a very funny thing as like an artifact of what I do for work every day um, that I I have this piece of useless information in my head every single time. And I mean it every single time a new Star Wars thing comes out, whatever that Star Wars thing is, the the most searched question is, when did this happen? Yeah. And, and I mean, it's every time they're just like, okay, like where in this mess of Star Wars stuff is this even happening? Because I don't, because you know, they, so it is yeah. not. Uh, you are you are so far from being alone in that confusion. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and again, I go back to it's almost tradition. Yeah, because, absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, imagine that you are, imagine that you are somewhere between eight years old and we'll say 18 years old in 1977 in the summer of 1977 and you go and see this movie that just there's there's faceless guys in white armor there's a guy there's a all a guy dressed in all black armor with the samurai helmet there's a there's a princess with space buns there's two robots there's an old man talking to a young kid that's a moisture farmer. What is moisture farming? He talks to him about the Clone Wars. What are the Clone Wars? Um, and so you just sort of like get, are dropped into this adventure and you have to kind of keep picking up context clues as you go along. But it doesn't matter because the the adventure of it, the, 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 the intrigue, the st- stuff you've never seen before. There's like ships flying through asteroid fields and like you know people moving things with their minds and people with lasers. Like crazy stuff is happening. And so as is the Star Wars tradition, I think that they just don't, they're not like the MCU where they have to like meticulously. Where there's a hundred years of comics that have, you know. Like, yeah. They don't have any source material. Yeah. They're just kind of make, making it up. If you have never watched it, Paula, there is a mini documentary on Disney plus called light and magic. And it oh is about the history of the, the way that the, the Lucas production house basically like came to be. 
visual effects. It is one of my very favorite things to point to anytime someone is kind of gatekeepy about Star Wars or they're or they're, they're like, these are hard and fast rules about Star Wars because the first two episodes of that are nothing but line after line after line of how flying by the seat of their pants this entire operation for the first Star Wars movie was and how they were doing stuff that had never been done before, but they didn't even know how to do it. So like they would go into a room and Lucas would be like, cool, we want this to happen. And they go, that that doesn't exist. Like that thing you're asking for. And he was like, all right, figure it out. And he would just walk away. Like so much of that first movie, especially, is just this is what we could get away with at the time with the extremely limited budget we had. A bunch, of, a bunch of sweaty dudes in a like a California warehouse building yeah. models and cameras. Thank and- goodness we made friends with Jim Henson at the same time and made a deal. Exactly. I know, right? It, yeah. So, I mean, it is it is such an amazing thing to see just like this thing that is now this like massive universe with all of these, you know, like stories tying into one another genuinely started with a, a couple of guys in a garage who were looking at George Lucas going, I don't, I don't think this thing you're talking about exists. And he goes, yeah, all right, figure it out and walks away. And now they're all, now they're all multimillionaires. Right. Yeah. Cause they made the thing. And then they made the thing. They, they invented it. They sat it. down and went, all right, well, how would we do this? They invent, they invented an entire visual effects industry to create star Wars. And then did it again for, several other yeah, movies. multiple other movies yeah indiana yeah. jones et you know all the spielberg stuff yeah there is there is a really spectacular line in light and magic where steven spielberg is interviewed and he said george lucas showed me an early version of this movie with a bunch of other directors and we're all sitting there and none of us could understand a single thing that was happening on screen and and steven spielberg is like this this could be a good movie You've got a lot of really great ideas here, but right now it's just chaos. Like it's just it's just nonsense on the screen. Um, and then he was like, and it turns out I was wrong because it is now one of the most popular franchises ever with absolutely no explanation for things that are going on. Yeah. So yeah, it, I mean, it is it is it is baked into the DNA of this of this thing to be confused. Yeah. Good. Then I then I feel like one of you now. Yeah. yeah. You're you one just, of us to the point that them. in 2025, we'll all be at, in Japan for Star Wars Celebration. Paula, I will then take you over to Harry Potter stuff after I Celebration. Absolutely refuse to do that. <laughs> I was th- I was thinking about it. Well, I've always wanted to go to Japan anyway. But Same. If I'm going to go to Japan, I'm going to spend the entire time enjoying the Japan. I, I really really enjoyed the time that i went to star wars celebration but it is really important for people who have never been before to know that every single thing about star wars celebration is a lottery system so there is no guarantee that you get to see or do anything and there are a lot of people who don't make it through the lottery for the entirety of the event that they but you'll be in japan and in which case i could just go to japan at any time and just enjoy japan which is something i very much want to do but I, I feel like those two things should be very, very separate things in my mind. Yeah. I still want to go. I also want to sure. do D23 next year, so. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you're giving me pause on the on the Star Wars Celebration because I've, I've done no research other than, you know, I I feel like I either need to do that or Galaxy's Edge and Galaxy's Edge is probably going to be, I've never been to, never been. Come to, on! So. Do oh. it! Come build a lightsaber. Yeah. I feel like I at least need to do that as my pilgrimage. We're not that far. Yeah, I love I'm the way. thirty minutes. I'm thirty minutes away. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Amazing. We'll meet you there. Okay. Lightsabers and all. Amazing. Does this mean that Ahsoka's going to need new lightsabers again? No. Okay. Because uh, I'm like, but I want the legacy sabers, so I have to wait now because she's going to get new sabers. He still has the one, and Hu Yang still has all of her parts. So she can very easily rebuild the Shoto Saber that she has using all of the bits that are there. And the the hardest part of that, she's got a lot of time on her hands right now, so it's not going to be that hard, is that her Kyber Crystal is currently underneath a mountain of shit that Thrawn blew up. Uh, but, But it is still there, so she could quite easily rebuild that saber yeah i have her ones from the cartoon series 
So I have those ones, but I really want the new legacy set. Mm -hmm. So bad. So Her new design. In the cartoon series, is she not an adult? She's no, not. she starts Dr. off as Anakin's Padawan. So she's quite young. She's 14. Uh, yeah, and and she you basically see her grow through Clone Wars, um, and then she is basically that, a, that uh, episode where they did like the flashback. That was like her age range in the cartoon. The Predatory on the Weird Bridge with um with a <laughs> yeah, all of the different versions with of your a... girl from the Barbie movie. See, we're connecting know, to the things you like, love. Oh my god, it's Sasha from the Barbie movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. By the way, that episode, just in context of the entire series, that episode, episode five that had brought back Hayden Christensen as Anakin is also, in a, it, not in the context of Rebels, but in the context of all of Star Wars and Clone Wars, maybe some of the greatest Star Wars television we've ever gotten. Absolutely. Yeah, that was, okay. I mean, super, super well done and is likely not going to be the last time that we see the glowy bridge just based on the little bits from the ending uh, of this show. Yeah. Not that, maybe not the last time we'll see Hayden Christensen reprising his role as Anakin Skywalker, which I'm is positive. I did. I did time. message Danny last night. And I was like, what is, what is happening? What is this? Well, we're, well, I did say something like, is this like purgatory? Kind of. Kind of. I was like, That's kind of how they treated and, it. Which yeah, I love. Yeah. It's just, we, <laughs> Um, I don't know if she posted it today or we just didn't see it till today. Our friend Michaela, Magic by Michaela, did uh, 90 seconds of what you need to know about Ahsoka. And it mentions it like very quickly. It's it's a great reel. Like okay. for anyone that yeah. really wants a very quick like. She posted it two weeks ago. I needed it. How did we it. not say it till today? I, I know, we both I saw it, three it today. Days ago. I was like, where was this? Three but it's ago. like really funny. She also posted another one and it was about being like a background Jedi. <laughs> So she's good. really good. Yeah. For some fun really uh, content, Magic by Michaela. But all right. Well, let's wrap up. It's getting a little late. Not for Paula. But Not for me, it's so fun. Um, I do want to say before we finish this off is that although we are talking about Ahsoka, the SAG uh, strikes are still happening. So, and we do stand in support of the actors, the writers, everyone involved in the strikes. We have kind of avoided doing anything with new content and new shows and stuff outside of like, I think most of our stuff, we've been covering events more so than movies or anything. So this is like the first episode we've really put out since the strike started, but we do stand in support of all those with SAG and sag after. George, Lucas, George Lucas is famously also anti-big, uh, you know, Hollywood. Yep. And it is, uh, if you are curious why it's going to be a really long time before we get a second season of this show or the movie that this is building up to, the, you know, Disney being one of the major companies that was not playing ball with the actors uh, is, is a pretty big part of why that's going to happen. Yeah, I didn't want to go through this episode and not mention that just because we know they are back at the negotiating table but we really haven't seen any movement on there as at this time of recording. So. But thank you guys for joining. Thanks. I know we could go on for hours. I know. I, I, I learned a lot. <laughs> good. Good. Um, I, I almost, Paula, you saying that you're dropping in as a relative newbie again, it's, it's, it's in the tradition and it's, it's again, something my friends and I discussed right before we hopped on here was that, you know, Star Wars is sometimes at its best when you don't know anything and you're just dropping in and saying, well, that's cool. Well, I want to learn more about that. And Star Wars is so vast at this point now that you can learn more. Like there's there's resources out there to have more context or if you just don't care to. I feel like if it's a good enough show to stand on its own, you'll you'll enjoy it either way. Um I really think the boys are at the right age to really enjoy the cartoon versions with you. Yeah. And and make no I mistake. I mean, I'm not anti I'm not anti-cartoon, so no, but I just I like knowing your kids, I feel like it's gonna be something that they'll enjoy. Like I know you watch cartoons, but just like knowing Len Lennon and Jude, I'm like, I think that they would actually really enjoy this one. 
Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's great stuff. And it certainly gets better with time. The 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 like the initial bits of Clone Wars are are really kind of like very much like Saturday morning cartoony, but like it builds up to like larger, you know, kind of storytelling arcs. Um, but it's I think when you combine Clone Wars and Rebels, it's like 16 seasons and not small seasons, uh, as Jordan pointed out earlier. So that's why I haven't been able to finish it yet. It's yeah. a lot. I have a list that I keep in Google Docs that is just the Clone Wars episodes that you can watch without all of the filler stuff in between. Yeah. And it makes it a lot easier to consume that show. Yeah. Well, it's like any anime arc, right? It's like, right. It's all my friends that are super into one piece. And then the Netflix series came out and they're like, you got to watch one piece. And I'm like, maybe when I retire someday, seriously, <laughs> yeah. I, I can watch a thousand episodes of anime. Um, anyway, but that's kind of like how star Wars is. So, and that's why, like at the jump, you know, and and Russell was kind of nodding along with in agreement. Like, I don't like Star Wars fans that are gatekeepy because I, again, with in accordance with solidarity with actors and writers and stuff, and just fellow creatives, I know how hard it is to make stuff for people that people like. So, I can't imagine the pressure on Dave Filoni and John Favreau and all the other people's you know shoulders to make new Star Wars. That's I mean, that's a tall order. So the fact that this series, the fact that I enjoyed this series and I think that this series feels like classic George Lucas Star Wars to me, truly, and also feels like I'm especially season, uh, uh, episode seven, the um, one where they get to the new galaxy and there's like all this Night Sister stuff and Peridia and wolves and little turtle alien creatures and, and stuff like that. That felt like I was reading an EU novel. Like yeah. that felt like I was watching a an an expanded universe ni- novel from the like the late nineties, early two thousands when we didn't know we were gonna get more Star Wars. Like that felt for the first time maybe in a long time. Maybe some of the Mandalorian episodes did, but this one's particularly that felt like one of those mystical Jedi like post Return of the Jedi or like early, you know, old Republic novels. Where there was like stuff I'd never seen before, but felt like Star Wars. So and that's been the series overall. It feels like Star Wars. There's some bumps and bruises. And again, like Russell pointed out, some like pacing issues. But I mean, for me overall, it feels like Star Wars. And that's the most important part. Absolutely. I love Ahsoka. Yeah. And Ahsoka is a character. I'm proud of Ahsoka. So. Yeah. Ahsoka is a character, especially in our, on her Gandalf you know, arc is like, and I, again, also one of my favorite characters. I'm ever. so glad that she is now such a universally beloved character because when she, she was not. introduced in Clone Wars, that like the Star Wars gatekeeper kids hated her. And all you could find was negativity about this character when she was first unveiled. And it, it makes me so happy to see that she is so universally beloved. If you go to any uh, Star Wars cosplay thing there are always a ton of uh of folks every time celebration happens ashley Eckstein gets around easily 200 ahsoka cosplayers in various forms uh and and it's just such a delight to see like all of the joy that that has come from this character because it's me exactly there because it it started with this you know really kind of negative place and i'm so glad that this is such a shining example of kind of beating the gatekeepers and and you know now we have this really incredible series that is going to build into something even cooler as a result of kind of ignoring those folks right same with same with the hayden christensen and anakin skywalker oh for sure yeah and the prequels in general just kind of like looping back he's getting the love he deserves Yeah. Yeah. yeah all right does anyone want to shout out where you can be found? You two aren't as active on the socials as Paula and I, but if there's anything you want to share or shout out, feel free. Uh, yeah, for me, you can follow me. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram and Twitter, but Instagram is uh, better for my mental health and Twitter is slowly being run into the ground. Um and so on Instagram, I'm specs and things, S P E C S A N D T H I N G S. Um, and then I actually have, uh, I do music. I did the music for this podcast, uh, which they so graciously asked me to do a couple of years ago. And I had a lot of fun with it. I'm actually, um, uh, transitioning to a full-time musician and, and full-time sort of sound maker. 
And uh, you can actually find my music project as well. Um, my buddy and I have a, uh, we're producing indie synth pop stuff. Um, you can find us um, at Robbers on Instagram, so, uh, you know, Spotify, uh, uh, Apple Music. That's R-A-A-B-E-R-S, R-A-A-B-E-R-S, Robbers. For fans of the 1975 St. Lucia, Walk the Moon, uh, The Killers, like all of that stuff, indie synth pop 80s fun stuff um and so that's mostly me singing although we want to produce other people and have guest vocalists and instrumentalists and stuff like that too um but yeah both of those russ is good i'm not allowed on social media until i get a new job so okay that's acceptable (laughs) paula uh, you can find me on Twitch, Instagram, TikTok, Threads as at Unconceivable. I'm also the host of Creating Magic. You can find me there as well. I'm so proud of you. It's taken a while for her to claim that. <laughs> it, yeah, I, just, I always <laughs> and forget. The, <laughs> and you can find me at Mandrakes and Mischief on all the things as well as at Creating Magic Podcast. And until next time, keep creating. Wow.